Welcome to First Customers, a hypertribal podcast. I'm your host, Paris Vega. Let's get started. All right, Eric, why don't you start off by telling us what Morpheo is? Absolutely. So Morpheo, uh, it's an interesting story. You think of Morpheo as sort of your antivirus for uh, marketing software or, or marketing data. So uh, otherwise used as marketing security. But our, our algorithm, after you aggregate a bunch of your uh, uh, marketing data, is going to notify you when something out of the ordinary happens. So think of tracking issues, credit card failures, you know, those kinds of things, even when uh, tracking goes down or we uh, let campaigns go too long or we forget to turn them off. Those are the kind of things that generally impede marketers and throw us off our day. So Morpheo helps to uh, save you time, a little peace of mind, as well as uh, allow you to get to your goals faster, which makes all of our bosses and uh, clients and customers that much more happy. Right. So before Mo- Morpheo, what were you doing before you got involved with this project? Sure. Yeah, I've been a long-time uh, marketing nerd. Went to school to build websites. So for the last 20-ish years, I've been all around uh, marketing, technology, creative uh, projects, work for agencies, uh, myself, mainly a, an entrepreneur, and spent most of my time making clients happy and, uh, and producing uh, you know, marketing tactics and campaigns for them. And uh, built a, an agency business um, over the last probably 10 years, always kind of been on the agency side. Uh, you know, and when we were scaling our business, ran into a few issues uh, in terms of bringing on new clients and being able to keep up with the data and managing the team, the expectations, right. keeping people happy. And so I spent most of my time worrying about that. And that's kind of where Morpheo was, uh, was born. Okay. So did you like come up with the idea for Morpheo or did you join an existing team? Talk about how you got involved with the project or how it started. Sure. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's all from uh, my partner and I, John, uh, good friends and longtime uh, fellow nerd. We, we actually were launching a, a website one, uh, one late, late night and, and getting ready to, you know, launch a campaign the next day and went through kind of a long conversation in terms of after, you know, 15 years of fo- really following the same process kind of asked ourselves, you know, with, uh, there's gotta be a better way to, to, to do this. And, and, you know, why are we as individuals making subjective choices in terms of the creative, the copy, you know, the code set, the framework, all those kinds of things. And so we, we kind of had a, a long conversation of where we thought the industry was going to go. Uh, we actually looked around for affordable software for, you know, a, a, a small agency that, that we were running and, you know, even uh, uh, from an SME perspective or SMB perspective, looking at affordable software that could add a lot of value that we could, you know, that we could uh, put a budget against. And it was really difficult. So we really kind of carved our way out and said, we're going to build something that um, fits that need. And so we did some research and started to get into machine learning and AI back in 2015 when it was still fairly, fairly new and at its infancy, especially in the marketing and the technology space. And that was really kind of how we got into it. And, uh, uh, built the team around it. Absolutely. So did you start off building it as an internal tool or was it from the beginning you were like, we're going to build this software and launch it as a, a service? Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately as a serial entrepreneur, you know, you're always thinking of, you know, what this might mean, but, but first solving right. a problem, you know, as you mentioned with our internal team and it was, you know, people, 
just managing and analyzing data for far too long, the complexities of the different digital marketing tactics that we were managing, um, you know, spends increasing as well as other tactics and opportunities to, to you know, uh, space out your, your clients' budgets. And, you know, it just became a little bit overwhelming. And as you, you grow uh, any kind of business, it became more difficult. Time became uh, really hard to find for our most expensive, hard to find and hard to keep people. And, you know, ultimately, we, we built it to, to solve a few of those major problems, knowing that, our, that we could really help our, our humans uh, help our people be more satisfied within their job that uh, ultimately together we could meet our clients' objectives more quickly and uh, you know have more freedom to do the things that we do best as uh, as people, which is to creatively think and have time with our clients and, and bosses or, or team members and really think about problems and, and, and you know and solve strategies and those kinds of things. So and then from there naturally right you can never go wrong by by saving people time that's always a winning strategy it seems like yeah i mean right now it's a it's a it's it's a, an issue no matter what business you're in and whether it's a personal life or or at work like you said it's 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 hard to find it's precious and so it's a commodity that uh you know you don't have more of and you can't buy more of and i think everybody identifies right. with it so okay so take us from you and your partner deciding this needs to happen we need to build this how long did it take from the initial idea to initial launch? How long did it take to build? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we, we spent some time early on trying to solve, you know, landing page issues. We tried to solve and, and build our own framework to, to, to create websites more quickly and use machine learning at that point to try to make better decisions and, uh, uh, on, on how and who was, was you know, browsing the, our, our clients and customers' websites and all trying to, uh, you know, monitor the business and see where things were going. But probably in the last year, you know, 18 months, it, it, it really kind of settled itself into going out to the community and trying to understand the other issues that, uh, you know, that marketers were having. And it kind of became apparent, you know, quite quickly over the last, uh, you know, few months that we kind of had to hone that into kind of where the product is today. But really, yeah, it's been about, you know, 18 months since we've been in the platform and have a small and mighty team that continues to work on it till this day. But uh, from a time frame perspective, it's um, you know almost uh, almost a two year journey from from kind of start to where we are now. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So when it came time to launch, talk about that launch moment. Like, what specific tactics did you did you use? Yep. Like. Some of the uh, was it advertising? You know, speak about that. Sure, for a sure. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a whole new world out there in terms of re you know releasing a, a SaaS product into a a, a world of, of very advanced, very technical, very smart individuals. And I think there's a a bit of a pathway to that. So spent a lot of time doing some research, and you know, we needed to get it out before it was perfect, but at least to to develop a bit of a, a community around it. So. In about May of last year, we, we launched a, a, a public beta, if you will, and, and kind of released it in its infancy and, and just brought as many people on as we could. And so we launched on Product Hunt. We got our marketing going. We had our, our website, of course, and all of our collateral across major channels, consistent, looking great, and all those kinds of things. But ultimately then just tried to do a lot of, um, you know, individual reach out to either friends and family 
uh, and other networks and, and just really tried to grab some volume as much as we could of people we knew, people we didn't, people with experience and people without it. Um, it really didn't matter. The, the more, the better, and, and really just kind of let it out to the public and gauged our feedback that way. So, you know, content early on as well as today became a big piece of it. And, and uh, that was one, one challenge for a, for a small business, finding time building a product as well as trying to write and think about what people care. So, yeah. Right. So you mentioned product hunt specifically, was that the main site that you launched on? Was that just one of many? I think that was, that was one of many. I mean, LinkedIn now becoming the the social media for all things, business connections, you know, was a big focus. And and so a lot of direct outreach with the community personally that I had, had, had made on, on my business profile over the last 10, 15 years, more specifically on LinkedIn in the last five, I'd say, uh, was, was fantastic. People willing to, in, in a cross product hunt as well, willing to give feedback, willing to be a part of the launch, you know, um, people willing to understand that it may not be perfect, but to help shape and, and give feedback where need be without any kind of monetary return. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised at how open the community was to support anything new, just given the sheer amount of products that must launch in a given day across the globe. Um, you know, we were, we're welcome with open arms and product hunt definitely was a huge piece of that for sure. In the first 24 hours, what did that look like when you released the product or or did you do like some beta releases first uh, and like how many people signed up right away? Yeah, I mean, I guess within the first day there was uh, there was probably a few hundred, which you know we didn't set any goals or, or expectations, and, and for us going from uh, zero to even two or five would have been a success. So, um, you know, bringing on uh, on new individuals, some that we could speak to and some that we could not, was uh, a, a huge change, and it starts to make you think about the entire process of somebody brand new and. You know, you, you spend a ton of time thinking and planning and executing, but until you, you know, gain some feedback and, and hear anything from anyone, you know, you, you really uh, aren't sure what's, uh, what's going to go down. So I, I think our, our best plan was to not set too many high-level goals and expectations. I mean, ultimately, uh, we're in the, we're, we were in the firm belief and still are that a, a smaller audience of, of right, right and like-minded individuals that can learn from us and, and we can learn from them was, was our goal. So it was, you know, albeit nerve wracking to let your baby go out on a, uh, on a date for the first time or whatever the analogy was, but it was a, a ton yeah. of fun and we, we learned a lot. So that's a huge launch over a hundred customers. You said, you said a couple hundred. Yeah. Or? I mean, in terms of, you know, sessions and, and, uh, page views and inbound questions and phone calls and all sorts of things. I mean, we, got to remember that all things AI and machine learning about, uh, you know, even a year ago is still very, very new and in the marketing space, uh, not heavily, heavily influenced. And so we had a lot of people thinking we were doing one thing and the other. So, you know, intent and customers aside, it was just a bombardment of people curious as to what we were doing and why and and, uh, and, you know, what our team was like and the challenges we faced. And so it was actually wasn't as much you know, even about the transaction or monetary side, it was more around the community trying to really understand what AI meant to them. And it's a big piece of what we talk about today is really getting into people's AI strategy and just having conversations of what that looks like and uh, love having that conversation. And you never know what kind of conversation you'll get into as well. Right. 
but so these were like paying customers that signed up for the service right away. Well, or was this just yeah, I mean, the, traffic? You just yeah, it was the the way we the way we handled it actually was to onboard without any uh, with any payment. So we opened up the kimono oh, okay. to any user that was interested in, in, in going through the beta of the platform, we did not charge them. Um, we did definitely, gotcha. yeah, we definitely, you know, curated as much as we could and managed that. But anybody that wanted to, that was interested, uh, we let them have access to the platform uh, for free in exchange for feedback. So yeah, okay. it was a, there was no barrier from All a right. cost perspective. That's really yeah. Specific strategy there. Um, so was that a uh, like a set time? You're like, all right, we're going to open this up for a set amount of time, the free beta, and then kind of iterate yep. through maybe feedback, bugs, or whatever. Yeah. Like, what kind of set time? Did you, were you yeah. Thinking? So we put three months. We put three months against that, uh, knowing we would get you know all most of May, June, and a little bit of July, or most of July. You know, most of us do go on vacation. July and August are, are a difficult time from a business right. perspective, right? So we figured we'd use that gap in between from our uh, uh, from our, our release and our funding, and of course, side by side and concurrently, we're dealing with raising money and. And that ultimately was the, the, the major piece that was going to justify what we did next. So, but we took three months and we, you know, we had this, uh, this, this, this public beta and, and offered as much as we could and, and really spent that three months having a, a lot of conversations with people that were interested, thought they would be a right fit, were a right fit, some that weren't a right fit. And, and you know, you always go into that hoping for the best and, and some conversations are fantastic and some are, uh, you know, got to cut short and move on to the next one. So, um, you know, from, right. from there it was just, you know, what are you going to do next? But we, we knew we would spend, uh, at least a few months doing that and a couple months to kind of internally debrief and figure out what our, our, our next challenge would be in through the, the kind of holiday season, if you will. So that's a wild time where you're, you're trying to raise money at the same time of kind of proving the value of the product yep. by getting at least interested, you know, signups and, and proving that there's a, there's a, some traction in the market for it. Um, so after that three month period, what kind of conversion did you see to actual, uh, like paid subscriptions? Yeah, I think it was, um, it was kind of what you'd expect from, you know, when you give a product away, our goal was not a monetary one. And, uh, you know, we could talk about our strategy. It was, it was really to understand what people cared about. We definitely knew that we needed to figure out the, the price point variable of what people would be willing to pay for literally a, like a, a brand new tool in a new industry, something that they weren't comfortable about. Uh, we also wanted to figure out if the integrations and the, the type of technology that we built around the aggregation of our, our data was um, relative to the audience we were serving. So those were really the two major factors. From there, we needed to, to, to simply get to know our audience, understand their workflow, how currently they were building reports, for example, or managing their risk from a marketing perspective, uh, which you know started to become quite a, a, an interesting uh, piece of messaging, which I'll touch on. But and uh, you know this this was what really John sort of preached on me. He's like, these are going to be the, the hardest people to talk to because you're you're not trying to sell them something. You're actually trying to extract as much information related to where we're going to go with this product and. Uh, love sales and love talking to people. It just became a bit of a different agenda, but you know that that time curated more, uh, you know, decent conversion, if you will. But it was more around how it actually shaped the product, you know, over the course of the next few months while we okay. raised money because our conversation and pitch to investors actually became very different. 
Interesting. So after the three-month right. period, it changed yep. kind of a product roadmap in a yep, way. absolutely. Okay. So once you switched over to the paid subscription, what's the, what's your growth rate look like? Yeah. Well, I mean, at that point in time, so, uh, in through July and August became more of the internal, okay, what did, what did we hear and who's the audience we spoke to? And I think the realization for the most part was back to the, the notion of you, you get what you, you, you get what you pay for, I guess I'll, I'll use that analogy, but, uh, we know we needed yeah. to then actually find, um, you know, some net new customers that were not friends or family or people that we directly outreached to that or had a conversation with and tried to, you know, give away the product and kind of convince them. So we set on, uh, you know, we set on a path uh, in, uh, in mid-September, late uh, September, I guess, after everybody had gone back to school and are, are back to the grind of, of, of work and closing in on the last quarter, and hopefully we could catch a few budgets. So in terms of then, uh, you know, planning in through after July and August became really the internal time of what we had to change and, and, and tweak to go out and, and really convince, um, you know, convince some people to, 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 to continue to join the, the business and the community, but from a more of a paid customer acquisition perspective. So, but we, we had one major question unanswered, which was, was, you know, what is the price point that our uh, net new customers or or prospects would be willing to pay for a, a new product in a new environment? It's something that is is very different than, again, speaking to friends and family or people that you've invited to tour or test the product right. or give them some feedback, right? Um, so that became our next two-month, uh, three-month plan, again, depending on how financing came in. So uh, really through uh, the, the mid of September, uh, and through October, November, as we're trying to to pitch and close some financing, we set out on 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 a goal to understand this price point and what people cared about. So I think through that uh, that phase, it became we turned off uh, the ability to uh, get the freemium model with our, our our web platform. We we changed over to uh, book a demo and, and really controlled the sales cycle. Uh, we wanted to first allow pricing on the site or anything like that. You didn't put pricing on like website publicly. You just said book a demo or contact us to get pricing. That we, kind of we thing. still had pricing on there um, solely to set expectations. But then we the call to action we didn't allow people to register for the platform itself or try to self on board. That part gotcha. we we switched over to a book a demo. So we knew okay. the volume would go so down. I've seen a ton of research yep. just on that like the pricing page and all those strategies, that's a whole conversation. Yeah. And I think we're, you know, as, uh, as we'll get into it, we're just, you know, continuing. It'll never, it'll never stop. It'll never finish. It'll always be a, an interesting uh, process as the business evolved. But that was the one thing that we didn't have enough clarity on. So we said, we're going to go out and we're going to find a founder, a group of, uh, of a hundred individuals that are interested in not only building a community, but want to and see value in the product. And so we, we didn't know what that cadence was. So the, probably the first month, we had maybe 10 or 15 demos a week. We spent an hour with each individual, both with a tour and then an onboarding. We met with their team. We did follow-ups. We really, really went to uh, against a low-touch model, first of all, to understand their workflow from net new customers, but to get a sense of what are they currently using, what are they paying for, you know, what are they interested in, but what are the other issues or problems that we currently haven't identified yet. And we really found one major thing that actually we kind of put all that on hold after about a, a three-week or four-week period and said, we just found something that is very, very, very unique about our product 
in talking to these people and we found something that really we think could could change the trajectory of the business. Ironically, or coincidentally, it was two weeks after that that we were able to find a, a, a solo investor for our seed round, close that finance within about a month time after that, and actually moved our focus to closing the finance, getting the money in the bank, and then pivoting in terms of how we change our execution based on the fact that we had financing all within basically a, a two-month period. So. You know, you can't forecast everything, but it was an interesting course of uh, a couple months. Right. You said you you came across something after talking to the users. Yeah. What can you mind sharing? What that was? You said that kind of changed. Yeah, absolutely. Focus. So we when we started out, and even the, at the core of the product, really, uh, uh, Morpheo allows customers uh, and marketers to be able to scale and automate through AI. I mean, ultimately, that was our value proposition before. It's why we started this product and this business. Um, and that resonated with uh, with the rest of our customers and prospects that we were speaking to, but there was one clear thing that we identified through through conversation was a, a risk mitigation factor. So ultimately, our algorithm, what it does is through standard deviation, it aggregates all your major data, all things Google, all things Facebook, you know, LinkedIn, and now. Um, uh, a Microsoft as well. And so when you think about those products and all the data, all the campaigns, all the clients that you may, or, or websites or geography or all the things that go on, our algorithm is going to look for the consistency of that data. And when something falls outside of normally. Now, is this yep. specifically yep. organic uh, paid campaigns it's or is both. it like organic activity based on yeah, the paid? It's organic okay. and it's paid. So again, depending on the type of agency or type of brand or type of marketer, they're going to be either SEO heavy or paid heavy, or they're going to be focused on social versus, you know, pay-per-click, et cetera. It really doesn't matter. But the one right. thing every each or each one of those individuals or marketers had to deal with was when something happens out of the ordinary, how do they act on it? The faster they act on it, the more they're going to either make their boss or their clients happy. They're going to be able to react and optimize and change. They're going to meet goals and objectives more quickly. But they didn't look at it as a as necessarily a growth or an opti- optimization tool. They saw it as a risk mitigation tool. And so we this notion of marketing security or what they came up with. Uh, and I heard through some conversation of you guys are like the antivirus for my marketing software. You make me feel good. I can sleep better at night. I know I have something that's keeping an eye on me in the background was a huge value proposition that, you know, we didn't quite think of before. And it became this light bulb of, well, there isn't really a marketing security sector. There really isn't a notion of, of this idea that something can handle that analysis paralysis for me so that I can more think more freely. And, and ultimately, that was the, the trigger that said, okay, we've got something here. Let's, let's see if we have some legs to it. And we started to then test that against you know, uh, uh, customers as well as prospects on how they resonated with that type of risk mitigation. And, and yeah, so it, it, you know, it, be, it became clear that this, this notion of uh, marketing security and, and an idea that machine or an algorithm could help manage the mundane process of, of monitoring data for eager irregularities, if you will, or anomalies, right. you know, was, was something that they thought, wow, I could, I don't have to put my, my most expensive, my most important people on the analysis. I can actually free them up to think about strategy or sales or pitches or, you know, solving client problems or, you know, all those amazing things that we all want to do. And so right. that, that became a light bulb for us for sure. So, Give an example of what type of thing 
that might become an alert because sure. I like I handle a lot of like marketing campaigns and and like just by visiting your website and reading through the features there, I was like fifty percent sold just from mm-hmm. going to the website. I was like, oh man, if this is you know doing what it says it can do, then yeah, it's obviously going to save a lot of time. Yeah. But just give a really like specific example of one thing that might be an alert. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so on a growth marketing alert, there are things like, so in Morpheo, you set your business KPIs, your cost per acquisition targets, your, you know, co- or cost per lead targets, both paid or organic, or, you know, an average, uh, a- average value of an order, whatever those KPI, okay. KPIs are, you, you set them with, within Morpheo. And then again, if, if you're trending and the data is trending against or away from that KPI, Morpheo is going to flag that to you. So when you first think about it, and that's really where the platform began, it was to make sure that you meet your objectives or always stay on target for your objectives. And now you have a machine or a okay. machine learning to help with that. From more of so a, sec- like yeah. a percentage of like, hey, if it goes within this amount away from our target, is it that granular? Right. Do, you, yep. do you have some built in? Okay. Yeah. So think of there's basically three levels, level one, level two, level three. Level three are extreme changes. Let's say you're used to seeing 100 uh, conversions on an average day in whatever geographic location. All of a sudden, you're seeing zero or one or two. There's a huge variance in that data. That's probably going to be a level three. You're going to want to know why. You're going to want to be able to flag against that as soon as possible so that you can go in and fix it. Morpheo is not meant to take you away from the analytics tools that you love. It's meant to be there to ensure that those types of variances don't happen. Now, the other things generally are credit cards expi- expire, tracking goes down, you know, 404s or whatever the, the more transactional parts that happen to us as marketers all the time. Even little things like you let a campaign go longer or you forget to turn it off or turn it on. Right. Sometimes you don't know. And, and you need that reminder because if you're not looking at it, so you much. probably yeah. might miss it. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. So what tactics would you say have caused the biggest spikes in – the, like the paid signups now that you guys have been out there. It sounds like for the most part, you guys have been doing really like manual That's right. personal sales. Um, have you been advertising or any other tricks you've been testing yeah, out? Absolutely. So the, the interesting part is that you're always trying to line up to, you know, both the funding that you have, uh, especially at a startup where, you know, you have to experiment, but you have to be careful not to overindulge with, with tactics that you believe are flashy or invest too much in something long-term that you may or may not know is going to have the return. So concurrently, as we finalized our seed fund, as we've gone and, and really focused on the next evolution of this campaign of, you know, our marketing security software, et cetera, that we'll, we'll roll out in the new year and building the tactics for that. We've tested on LinkedIn in terms of paid ads, sponsored, as well as, you know, boosting posts and those kinds of things, organic posting, you know, a lot of it is through a B2B approach and SaaS model like ours. LinkedIn is a a big piece to that for sure. Um, SEO and organic in terms of how we're managing our content, our page speed, probably first and foremost. You know, we're trying to take the approach of, of content, agency partnerships, you know, brand and marketing partnerships, sponsorship, leadership, you know, we're, we're looking at where we are as a new area and a new space, especially with AI and marketing, where people are still not sure they can trust it yet. And we have to become that thought leader. We can't go out and spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, against a a very expensive competitive pay-per-click campaign. It's just not going to benefit us right Right. now. 
So we're still in that testing environment phase, but I would say first and foremost, what has, has worked is content in, in ensuring people find us, uh, backlinking and a whole bunch of other great strategies. And going forward, it's going to be more direct in terms of our messaging and investing now with funding a little bit more into those, you know, those, uh, those areas that hopefully will provide a return and then we'll continue to invest in those as, as we see success. So would you say your blog is kind of the hub of your, your content strategy? Yeah, I would say it's a it's a big piece of it. I mean, we live across all channels, um, you know, but okay. with Medium, uh, with myself, you know, kind of leading the charge as a CEO on LinkedIn as well as blog, that thought leadership, uh, you know, gets to reside on me. But we have a huge content team and engine behind it to make sure that not only do we have content that is meaningful and makes sense and it's passionate and things we care about, it's related to our business. It's SEO rich. It's relative to our audience. We hope it's going to add value and it needs to look beautiful and it needs to catch eyes. And so, you know, we, we put all that in, in, uh, in, in the same boat in terms of we're going to do all this very well and we're going to do it often. And so whether it's those types of, you know, hardcore uh, objectives of, of direct uh, conversions, we still believe in the power of even podcasting, uh, you know, yeah. video and telling a story. Uh, we're very visual. We're very, we're very much storytellers, and that's uh, something we're, we're really excited to roll out through the new year. So the design of your site, and it seems like everything related to Morpheo is, is really polished. Like it, yeah. And is that from being able to get you know funding early on and like get a legit team in place and all that? I mean, or, or does your kind of founding team have some design background? Uh, well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a designer by trade, but wanted to go to school for, to build okay. websites. But back in the day that didn't really have, you know, ha, you know, will date myself, but mid nineties, there really wasn't a lot of places you could yeah. go to school to learn this stuff. Right. So, <laughs> so I, I, I wanted to be in advertising and marketing, but ultimately wanted to build websites and was fortunate enough to meet an amazing individual, Vince, who, uh, we had many different paths and working together, um, um, and, uh, and have been lucky enough to work together for the last, uh, many years. And, um, so we put time and effort into the product, uh, vision, both from a UI and a creative perspective from day one. And so it's always been great and beautiful, but we wanted to make a very, very complex tool seem friendly, but also make and empower our users to feel really good about how they would interact with the site. And that's a fine line. So Vince is, is still with us today. He's the man that leads the charge in all things UI and creative. He's upstairs with the team right now, late on a, on a Wednesday or Tuesday or whatever it is, cranking away and working hard. And, uh, you know, it, it is a, a value proposition for us to be or try to be, uh, you know, better than anyone else, both when it comes to the connection of our content and the connection of the visual and the UI. So it's always been a focus from day one and, and will continue to be for sure. So there doesn't look like um, to be any actual UI shots on the site. Is that part of wanting to kind of guide that whole process through the demo? Or is that with these little kind of little rectangles I'm seeing? Are those little kind of like screenshots from the actual software? There's a few. There's a few. And I think that um, we've controlled how often and how much we will display the UI and where we're at. Both of that became yeah. a strategy and a bit of a, a, a luck at, uh, uh, and controlledness, I guess, in one respect. But okay. and often because we're we're still changing, we're still tweaking. But that focus will definitely update uh, in the new year as we release kind of more around the UI itself, and we'll 
you know, expose the kimono, if you will, to exactly what the tool looks like, what it does. And we'll use video as a big piece of our, our tactical, uh, our tactical suite. But if you book a demo, you can, you get kind of shown the whole That's deal right. of, of the current state of things. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we, we definitely go through a full tour slash demo, if you will. And we love it when we can, uh, onboard, uh, prospects, let them see their own data. It's always easier when you can, but, uh, no, we're happy to walk people through it and have a fantastic conversation of, uh, of what they're trying to figure out. Well, I'm slowly getting sold more and more. So <laughs> We'd love to have you. We'd love to have you. <laughs> so, um, all right. So the content publishing constantly putting it out there, that's, mm-hmm main strategy for for boosting growth yeah Um, yep for sure i mean outside of that i think what we what we've done is we're working with a fairly large global agency pr agency to help us navigate and cut through the noise of both funding and growth and tech and it's a it's a it's a big world out there there's a lot of dollars and a lot of eyeballs and so we're we're heavily employing a, a strategy against uh, PR and technology and content to again allow us to to focus on credibility and and play the game, yeah. if you will. Yep. And you mentioned uh, like brand sponsorships. Is that like get, like lining yourself with influencers or doing like some co-sponsored things with other brands? Yeah, so- I mean it's still to be determined, but we're we're looking for. Um, you know, we're looking for environments where we can connect with our, our customers and prospects in a way to have, you know, meaningful conversations. And it, it, part of that is to always live within the life of our customers, their workflow, their teams, the problems they're facing. And there's no better way to do that than through, you know, a true conversation. So, you know, we can see ourselves, whether it's speaking engagements, uh, whether it's attending conferences, whether it's, you know, hosting our own uh, we definitely are including and have a, a, an amazing Slack community of early adopters that, you know, we, we post ideas and, and offer, you know, ways to communicate, uh, you know, field issues and problems, whatever the case may be, uh, include them in webinars like we will be doing in the new year in terms of our product roadmap. You know, we, we want to live within our customers, but as well as the network in, in the world of marketing. So we don't quite have all that figured out, but we definitely want to connect in a way that hopefully is meaningful to, to our prospects for sure. So it sounds like you guys have been extremely thoughtful about every step of the process, which is amazing to see uh, laid out that the plan that you guys have executed looks incredible. Thank you. Um, is there anything that you would have done differently looking back now where you guys are anything about the initial launch or getting those first customers that you would have done differently. I know that you've changed the product itself in a way, mm-hmm. but other than that, you know, is there anything about the, the launch strategy that you have done differently? Yeah. I mean, I think you can't see it now, but there's a lot of gray hair on my side. And, uh, and so, you know, being, <laughs> being in business before, I, I believe we've, we've learned a lot of, of what not to do or, or at least what to try to mitigate. And so I, the one thing I would always, uh, always comes back to me when I'm asked that question is I probably, we probably would have launched earlier. We probably would have been maybe less sexy as we are with our UI and, and some of the things that, um, you know, maybe we could have changed. But I, I also firmly believe that the market may not quite have been ready even two years ago for, you know, this type of idea and software. And even now, it's, uh, it, there's still skeptics out there. There's still, do I really need to employ automation? Does this really make sense for me? What is my AI strategy? So, you know, 
it's part of the personality. I probably wouldn't change anything, but if there was one I had to answer, I would probably say I would, I would love to get it out earlier and get more of that community feedback, but maybe that was a reason why we didn't. So. Yeah. Because it seems like you have to do a little bit of client education throughout the sign up process to explain exactly what the product is. Yeah, I agree. And so it, it makes sense that you wouldn't necessarily be doing a bunch of Google search ads because what? if it's a newer type of product, people aren't going to be searching for it anyway. That's right. And that's, that's right. Some indirect targeting maybe. Yeah. And that's our next challenge is to, to create enough volume of, of content and, and trust in the community that people will be willing to, to give it a try. Um, and then creating a, an onboarding that is low touch, but provides enough value and content where they feel confident, confident and comfortable with onboarding themselves within the tool. Because like I said, it's when it's your data, you can see what our product and our tool can do for your own data. It's much easier to translate than going through a demo with, let's say, someone else's or you know, our sample data or even Morpheo data. So that's our next challenge, absolutely, is to try to, to remove that barrier. But I do believe the market you know, is helping soft the, the mistrust, if you will, of AI and machine learning. Yeah, and it sounds like you've created almost some of your own hashtags or new buzzwords with some of this marketing insurance kind of angle, that marketing security, that stuff that I've never – I haven't heard – tossed around here. yeah it's it's still a little new and we we hope to own it but we also believe that there's an opportunity for uh ultimately we're, we're marketers we're nerds we love these platforms and tools and and i just want to sleep better at night knowing that the you know the the least amount of mistakes i can it's still technology we're still people we're going to think differently and we're going to make mistakes and if i can mitigate that and, and free my mind up to to really be as creative and as strategic as humanly possible well that's why i'm in this business and i hope that we can empower others to feel you know, just as confident. That's awesome. Um, I'm going to try something new here. Do you mind if I ask you a few rapid fire questions? They can basically be yes or no. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm I'm just going to go down a list of different platforms and you can just say yes or no, whether or not you guys are using them or you view that as part of your, your growth strategy or customer acquisition strategy. All right. Twitter. Yes, sir. Facebook. Absolutely. Instagram. Yep. YouTube. 100%. LinkedIn, you already answered that one. What about Pinterest? No Pinterest yet. Okay. Reddit? Mm, We have. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was thinking Quora, but no, it's Reddit. Amazing impression cost for Reddit. So, yes. Okay. I need to don't let my partner hear that because we don't normally talk about impressions. I don't like impressions. We love conversions, but we're experimenting. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, I've. Talk to some people who've had a lot of uh, great luck yeah. with with great Reddit. community. Yeah. yeah. So you said Quora. What about Snapchat? No Snapchat. TikTok. Nope. Product Hunt. You already said yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do have a blog. What about uh, any niche forums other than Quora? Um. Like I think Medium, albeit not a forum itself, okay. but an uh, unbelievable community of, of of artists and writers and communicators. So I'm going to put that in the same okay. boat. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of similar. Okay, and as far as paid advertising, you said you guys are kind of about to experiment, but like Facebook ads, it'll mainly be uh, LinkedIn in order. Um, 
the next one, G2. So we're going heavy, heavy, heavy in G2 and some other unbelievable uh, platforms insights, but um, using that, what's G2? So G2 crowd using uh, reviews and a review-based uh, strategy to help our credibility with our amazing community. Yeah. G2 peer-to-peer review side. That's it. So generally, uh, a lot okay. of us nerds that when we're looking for software, we'll, you know, it's a G2, it's a Captera, even, you know, even like a Trustpilot, et cetera. But those are the go-to okay. where we're looking to find uh, solutions. Yeah. So we're going to live there. All right. Now switching to some older school tech. What about cold calling? Absolutely. Okay. Snail mail, postcards, letters, et cetera. Yes. 100%. You might see a, a little tiny right. Morpheo robot in your inbox soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, flyers? No. Okay. And you mentioned some sponsorship stuff. Uh, email marketing. Email Probably more from a sequence, sequencing follow-up perspective, but not cold emails, no. Okay. And retargeting. Absolutely. Okay. So even though you're not heavy into big like search ad campaigns mm-hmm. necessarily, retargeting is already happening. That's right. We definitely, from- definitely. And a, a little tool called Visitor Q, V is just as it sounds, but Q is Q-U-E-U-E. Check it out. Okay. I, I'm surprised about uh, how many people still don't do some level of retargeting. Agreed. Especially with such a, a, a tight audience that, that we have. You spend a lot of time and a lot of money bringing them to, the, to your site, and it's a researched type of, uh, of purchase. You know they're not going to generally activate right away. So you've got to keep in uh, in their minds as long as you can. And I think yeah, marketers. Especially, I mean. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, especially like if you, you know, you're tracking who goes to the check out or the book a demo page or whatever that mm-hmm. you know right next to the final action is it seems like it's a no-brainer to just hey remind them that they visited there every once in a while well i always felt that as marketers like other industries you go to a restaurant and if you were a waiter you're going to treat waiters in the same way that you want to be treated and so as marketers it's i kind of respect it when you know they don't annoy me with the remarketing but they trying to help with the value add rem, remind me that I'm busy, but I still might like their products. So think about it as customer service. It's not supposed to be annoying and hopefully that'll help. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them, I think uh, a lot of the guys that I, I get retargeted by, I think they need to add like a 24 hour delay. Yeah. Like <laughs> if I just left your site and I go to Facebook and I see your ad, like immediately it's like, well, my window is probably closed for the moment. Yeah. That's right. Give me, Give a, me some time a, to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, this has been awesome, yeah. Eric. I really appreciate the time. Um, yeah, is there any advice you would give people um, real quick to, to close it out who are trying to start their own thing, trying to get their first customers for their project? Yeah, I mean, I continue to say look to the community. I've, uh, uh, as the gray hair on the, uh, on, on the podcast here, I, you know, I've had to relearn what it means to uh, work hard and, and outreach and um, – you know, the days of cold calling and email are still definitely applicable, but there's a new world of automation and Chrome extensions and, and integrations that will create a workforce to work for you through automation and, and, and machine learning or tools. And, and I think it's just, it's unbelievable what we have access to now, as well as the content to help us answer any question that we would have. So there definitely isn't anything you can't learn or educate yourself uh, through the content that's uh, accessible 
today wherever you search. So I think uh, as startups go, you don't have to spend money. Your best foot forward is definitely going to be figured out on your own, um, understand your costs, and then build the team from there. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. Yeah, thanks for having me, Paris. Appreciate it.